On the morning of July 29, 1978, Leonard Stringfield paced back and forth in his Ohio hotel room, practicing his speech. The former Air Force consultant was an investigator for a UFO research group. In just a few minutes, he'd deliver a lecture that would shake the world of ufology to its core. Leonard checked his watch before setting off down the hall. Yet as he walked, he heard footsteps closely behind him. A military-looking guy in a suit then followed him into the elevator. Leonard grew anxious. Once they reached the lobby, several more men in dark suits were there waiting. And for someone who had built his career around assessing danger, Leonard's alarm bells were ringing. He raced to the bathroom, one of the suits still just a few paces behind. And there, finally, the stranger confronted him. He was with the CIA and warned Leonard to be cautious in his upcoming speech. As he put it, Soviet agents were listening, and if they heard the whole truth, trouble would ensue. The threat of Soviet espionage terrified Leonard, but so did the truth being silenced. So he excused himself and made his way to Dayton's convention center. The crowds attending the UFO symposium were thick. Minutes later, Leonard took the stage and unleashed a flurry of accusations. He claimed to have proof that the U.S. military had alien cadavers in storage, and he called out several supposed UFO crash sites by name and date. Leonard finished his talk to resounding applause, but his ovation didn't last long. Two police officers raced on stage and warned that there was a threat on his life. He was rushed out of the building and escorted back to a different hotel room. The police told Leonard to stay put before they departed, but just moments later, there was a knock at the door. The mysterious stranger from earlier stared back at Leonard menacingly. His speech had crossed a line. From now on, the CIA would be watching Leonard very closely. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from ParCast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. This is our second episode on UFO government surveillance. Last time, we followed the history of government cover-ups and disclosures about UFOs. And we examined the 2021 report revealing that there are mysterious happenings in our skies. Today, we'll dig into three conspiracy theories related to the manipulation and surveillance of UFOs in the United States. We'll return to the 2021 UFO report and consider whether it's actually a smokescreen to hide what the government really knows about extraterrestrials. Then, we'll discuss if UFOs have been used as an excuse to spy on ordinary Americans. 
And finally, we'll ask whether the government is still manipulating the UFO community through an organization called To The Stars Academy. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. There's one thing we can all agree on. Dealing with pests is a pain. But luckily, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. So if your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On June 25, 2021, Avril Haines, the director of national intelligence, released a nine-page preliminary report on UFOs. It was the first time the U.S. government acknowledged that UFOs existed. But the report was less groundbreaking than it first seemed. It also showed that the government knows next to nothing about these objects. Of course, not everyone takes this as the unflinching truth, which leads us to conspiracy theory number one. The recent report on UFOs was just a distraction to make the U.S. government look ignorant. In reality, they have a trove of alien technology. We have to point out, at the heart of this theory is a fundamental distrust in government, especially when it comes to the paranormal. And some of that doubt is valid. Last time, we talked about how the government manipulated a scientific panel in 1953 to convince Americans not to believe in UFOs. And in 1966, they did it again. Amidst a growing public demand for transparency, the Air Force funded a study led by the noted physicist Edward Condon. He was brilliant, but not objective. Before he even began the research, Condon told his colleagues that UFO sightings were bogus and that the study was a waste of time. Unsurprisingly, his 1968 report declared that UFO research was a sham. Nothing of scientific value had or would come of it. And that report was all the Air Force needed to justify closing down Project Blue Book one year later. This assured attitude wasn't anything new. And each government report maintained that UFOs were not a concern to the public. 
So in comparison, the 2021 report is a complete reversal, and it's no wonder that many people question why we're supposed to assume now that this latest report is the unvarnished truth. In the past, the government has lied about nearly every aspect of its UFO research. Some ufologists have actually suggested that Project Blue Book wasn't even the main investigatory unit responsible for UFO sightings. That's because after Blue Book shuttered, an Air Force general told his personnel that nothing had really changed. The project's termination didn't affect how they continued reporting UFO sightings. In other words, the really juicy stories may have never even gone to Project Blue Book. The memo convinced many ufologists that Blue Book was actually a smokescreen to hide the real UFO program. If that was true, then perhaps the 2021 report served the same purpose. Maybe the government admitted to UFOs in order to distract us from an even bigger secret. Like, say, a captured alien spaceship. It's not impossible. If the government had disclosed a flying saucer and Blue Book didn't investigate it, then maybe a different organization did. Project Moondust. Officially, the aim of Moondust was to locate and retrieve debris from fallen objects. This included fragments from Soviet rockets and other foreign aircraft. And those on the project also visited suspected UFO crashes all over the world. While we can't say for certain when the project first began, it's likely that Moondust was operating from the mid-1950s on. Later, in the 1960s, a brigadier general stationed at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base suspected he was helping Moondust. According to him, he prepared transport planes for teams of 8 to 15 intelligence officers at a time. He never knew where they were going, and sometimes they would disappear for days at a time. This all added to the mystery of the operation and its international scope. One ufologist found evidence that Moondust was deployed to Nepal in 1968 after four objects fell from the sky. In another case, they investigated a metal egg five feet long that fell near a riverbank in Bolivia. This unit of the U.S. Air Force was so secretive that even key lawmakers were kept in the dark. During a congressional inquiry, a U.S. senator asked for a briefing on Project Moondust, but the Air Force rejected the request. According to them, Project Moondust didn't exist. Despite the military's best efforts to keep the project quiet, as time went on, more evidence of Moondust slipped through the cracks. And when ufologists discovered unclassified documents related to the mission, the military pulled the curtain. In 1987, an internal Air Force memo contained a revealing statement. Project Moondust no longer existed. The memo's unnamed author explained that at some point prior to that letter, Moondust was replaced by another program, which remained classified. Because these programs were kept under lock and key, it's impossible to say what happened to any extraterrestrial debris they did find. However, there were a number of witnesses who alleged that they saw Moondust agents at work. A civil engineer in New Mexico claimed to have encountered a wrecked spaceship, and he spotted four dead aliens nearby. Before he could alert the authorities, 
A military convoy cordoned off the area and told him to leave. And that wasn't the only questionable activity the military was up to. In 1980, multiple people saw dozens of military-style helicopters chasing a UFO near Houston, Texas. One of the witnesses even suffered radiation poisoning from the incident. She later sued the government for her illness. She believed they'd created the object as part of an experiment. Her lawsuit triggered a massive internal investigation by the Air Force. And since the Air Force kept meticulous records, it should have been easy to figure out where the helicopters came from. However, all of their aircraft were accounted for at that time. After years of investigating the event, the Air Force still had no idea who okayed the helicopters, if they were in fact their own. And since most people aren't equipped to take a multi-million dollar helicopter out for a spin, it's safe to assume they were given permission by a group with a huge budget and a high security clearance, like Project Moondust. We don't know what the object that was sighted was, but it could have been anything from an alien spaceship to the government attempting to reverse engineer one. The incident was seldom talked about in later years and wasn't even mentioned in the 2021 report. Some UFO cover-ups are easier to trace, though. In January 1987, a Boeing 747 airline pilot and his crew were chased by a round object the size of five football fields. According to the pilot, bright lights danced around it, and he could feel the heat of the beams through the windshield. When he tried to take a picture of it, though, his camera failed. The nearest air traffic controller in Alaska picked up the object on radar and estimated that it was about eight miles in front of the airliner. And on the ground, air traffic controllers panicked. They requested a nearby passenger plane to search for the mysterious object, but it sped off just before they arrived. The FAA, which oversees civilian aircraft, soon launched an inquiry to find out if the UFO was some kind of radar error. To their chagrin, there was nothing wrong with any systems on the ground or in the air. The lead investigator then traveled to Washington to share the sighting with President Reagan's scientific staff. During the briefing, he played the audio tape of the pilot's conversations, along with a video reconstruction of the radar scope. At that point, the 40 or so people in the room began to argue about what had actually happened. Various technical experts offered their opinions and debated what the radar blips meant. As the meeting drew to a close, one man from the CIA stood up abruptly. The CIA agent then declared, from that point on, the whole incident was classified. Everyone in the room was sworn to secrecy and asked to hand over whatever data they had. This was highly unusual and certainly seems like a move by the CIA to keep information away from the public. But unlike the helicopter incident in Texas, the Alaska UFO encounter was well documented by multiple sources, including radar. So the fact that the CIA kept that data classified is all the more apparent. It seems clear that the government has known about UFOs for decades. At points in our history, they've even admitted to covering up UFO research. As far as this new report goes, it could be another smokescreen to hide the scope of that research. 
I think it's worth pointing out here that different people within the government have very different levels of access to that information, though. Take the lead investigator from the Alaska sighting. When he spoke with the president's scientific study team, they said it was the first time that anyone actually saw a UFO on radar. That's true. People within the government may not have known, but the Air Force sure did. Collecting crashed UFOs was Project Moondust's purpose, and there were a number of eyewitness accounts saying that men in uniform recovered alien ships and even bodies. Those eyewitness accounts vary tremendously in credibility. We have no way to verify whether these were even military uniforms. And importantly, none of them mention ever meeting someone from Project Moondust. I doubt a classified employee would announce their credentials to civilians. And there's also the issue of the unidentified military helicopters in Texas, which amateur UFO hunters certainly couldn't afford. But unless we can actually link those aircraft to a branch of the armed forces, we can't say they belong to the military. Plus, even if the Moondust investigators had found a crashed spaceship, we'd have to make the connection that the authors of the 2021 report knew about it and didn't include it on purpose. It's possible that information may be in the report after all. Supposedly, there's still classified UFO data that the public will never get to see. It seems likely, at the very least, that it could be the most controversial data. That's true. Senator Marco Rubio is now the vice chair of the Intelligence Committee, and he suggested that if such proof did exist, it would eventually be leaked. That seems like a rather pointed comment. As far as conspiracy theory number one is concerned, I think there's evidence to suggest the government is using the report as a false flag. Knowing there's been a long history of lies and cover-ups in regards to UFOs, it's hard to believe the 2021 report would be a reversal to transparency. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the most believable, I rate this theory a 7. I'm not so sure. We still don't have much, besides the testimonies of UFO enthusiasts, to indicate the military has actually captured a spaceship or found a body. While this particular 2021 report is a pretty clear shift in attitude from those before it, maybe real change and more transparency are coming. I rate this theory a three. While there may not be a fire, there's still plenty of smoke. Even if the government isn't hiding something as consequential as aliens, that doesn't mean they've turned over a new leaf. Given the past, there's still plenty to be wary of. Coming up, the U.S. government spies on its citizens. The most urgent mysteries in the world are missing persons cases. The stakes are too high not to pursue every plausible possibility, and some implausible ones too. I'm Sarah Turney, host of the new podcast, Disappearances. In 2020, after spending years searching for the truth, I used social media to help bring justice to my sister Alyssa's nearly two decades long disappearance. Now, every Thursday on Spotify, I'm exploring the many reasons people disappear and the impact their absences can have on those left behind. From child abductions and mystifying murders, to those who took drastic measures to start over, 
Each episode of Disappearances journeys through a different high-profile missing persons case, ripped from the headlines and ripe for explanation. Because no one just vanishes into thin air. The answers are out there, waiting to be found. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast Disappearances. Hear a new episode every Thursday, free and only on Spotify. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. And now, back to the story. As far as American UFO culture goes, its roots can be traced back to one Cold War-era belief. Some people thought the Soviet Union might use UFOs to spread paranoia about an alien invasion. Those in the government also worried that UFO sightings could clog up our early warning systems, leaving the U.S. vulnerable to attack. To prevent that from happening, they used Project Blue Book to systematically debunk UFOs. However, there are others who think the government's overreach has gone further. This brings us to conspiracy theory number two. The U.S. government secretly surveilled and manipulated UFO experiencers and investigators in order to protect national security. When it comes to manipulating information, the FBI is the most likely perpetrator in this scenario. FBI agents work around the clock to stop organized crime and terrorism, among other things. But they also have a dark past littered with civil rights abuses. During World War II, the FBI bugged homes and tapped phone lines of thousands of people without so much as a nod from a judge. And this illegal behavior didn't improve after the war ended. J. Edgar Hoover, the FBI's long-term director, saw enemies around every corner. When the UFO craze entered full swing during the Cold War, he suspected that believers were actually Soviet agents. One of these people was California resident George Van Tassel. Van Tassel claims that in 1953, an extraterrestrial in a gray suit woke him up. The alien then invited him to inspect a flying saucer before warning him that humanity was on a path to self-destruction. After the encounter, Van Tassel started a church where he preached universal peace to his congregants. To one of his neighbors, though, his sermons sounded a lot like communist propaganda. Fearing that Van Tassel was trying to sow fear in the community, they did what any concerned citizen would do, alerted the FBI. The Bureau took an immediate interest in the story. They reached out to the Air Force and discovered that there was already a file on Van Tassel. Apparently, he had contacted the military repeatedly for information on UFO sightings. Two FBI agents were sent to Van Tassel's home to get his side of the story. And while most of it was pseudo-religious ramblings, the agents grew alarmed when he talked about his self-published newsletter, which boasted over 1,000 subscribers. If he was a Soviet agent, 
This publication was shaping up to be a very big problem for the U.S. government. The agents collected a few pamphlets from Van Tassel before leaving. It wouldn't be the end of his relationship with the FBI. Not even close. An FBI dossier was soon compiled, which contained various details from Van Tassel's past. One such anecdote was that Van Tassel was a member of the Flying Saucer Society, a group for UFO believers. Alarmed, the Bureau infiltrated the society over the next decade using undercover agents. In a 1954 FBI memo, an agent described the Flying Saucer Society as a subversive organization run by the Communist Party. In his mind, the society was trying to subtly indoctrinate Americans to be more open to communist ideas. Agents also believed that the society was funneling money directly to the Communist Party. This suspicion paved the way for the FBI to conduct background checks on members and recruit informants to spy on them. The Bureau collected hundreds of pages of literature from the Saucer Society, including Van Tassel's newsletters. By 1960, Van Tassel was under almost constant surveillance. They even sent agents to tail his speaking engagements. Despite collecting troves of intel on the society, there were no clear leads for the FBI. As far as capturing Soviet spies, the Flying Saucer Society was proving to be a dead end. By 1965, the Bureau lost interest. Although Van Tassel was a dud, the Bureau did keep searching for a link between UFO experiencers and communist agents. Ufologist Nick Redfern located documents from the 1950s proving that the FBI kept close watch on other supposed contactees. So we know that the FBI took a serious interest in UFOs, but they also weren't the only government agency secretly spying on UFO believers. Despite claiming to have stepped back from UFO research, the CIA never really abandoned the subject and they may have even manipulated UFO groups to protect national security. It's widely believed in UFO circles that one of the CIA's targets was the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, or NICAP for short. America's first national UFO hunting group formed in 1956. Although it was a civilian organization, NICAP attracted people from military and intelligence agencies. Many of them had seen UFOs firsthand and wanted to help NICAP search for extraterrestrial life. By the late 1960s, NICAP was concerned with one theory in particular, whether there was a massive government conspiracy to hide evidence of aliens and crashed spaceships. So NICAP leaders leveraged their military and government connections to prove it. Leading the charge was NICAP's president, Donald Kehoe. Kehoe tried to convince scientists, military officers, and pilots to leak secret documents related to supposed UFO programs. Kehoe's quest to disclose delicate secrets worried the U.S. government. Within the CIA, there was a fear that this determined UFO hunter might accidentally uncover material related to ongoing intel operations. Consequently, the entire country could be exposed to Soviet reprisal. So the CIA began an illicit undercover operation in the late 1950s to spy on NICAP from the inside. And they knew just the man for the job. 
Colonel Joseph Bryan. Bryan was a former Navy lieutenant who joined the CIA after World War II. Allegedly, he ran a unit within the agency dedicated to psychological warfare. If there was a perfect person to infiltrate and sabotage NICAP from the inside, it was Brian. Deceit and manipulation were literally his job. Brian joined NICAP after he left the CIA and was elected to NICAP's board of directors in 1957. According to one former NICAP member, he quickly got to work undermining the organization. First, he pressed its president, Donald Kehoe, to reveal who in the U.S. government was leaking information to NICAP. If the CIA could find out who was responsible for the leaks, they could keep sensitive documents out of NICAP's hands. Kehoe wasn't naive about Brian's motives, though. Despite Brian's best efforts to sow loyalty with the president, he even denounced the Air Force's policy of secrecy, Kehoe wasn't fooled. He remained in charge. Brian wasn't deterred. He eventually organized a successful coup in December 1969. Kehoe was removed as president and replaced by a man named Stuart Nixon. Unlike Kehoe, Nixon trusted Brian, which allowed him to operate with impunity. Soon, more of Brian's CIA friends were recruited into NICAP's inner circle. The whole organization essentially became a Trojan horse for the CIA. Over the next decade, NICAP membership dropped from more than 10,000 people to just hundreds. It struggled to pay the bills, and by 1978, the organization was a shell of its former self. Which some ufologists believe was the agency's plan all along. If they could slowly destroy NICAP, they could keep government documents out of ufologists' hands. By 1979, there were three former CIA employees sitting on NICAP's board. Just a year later, NICAP disbanded. By all accounts, Colonel Bryan did exactly as he intended. There's two sides to every story, though. Sure, some ufologists blame NICAP's downfall on Bryan. But according to the author Jack Brewer, the organization was plagued by financial mismanagement from the beginning. Just three years after its creation, by 1959, NICAP was already flat broke. True, but I'm guessing that might have been at the hand of the CIA agents running it. It sure seems like the agency was steering the ship and doing far more than ordinary surveillance. The evidence for that is purely circumstantial. Like we said, NICAP attracted people who retired from various intelligence agencies. None of that means they were sabotaging the organization on the government's behalf. And Brian's family vehemently denied that he had anything to do with NICAP's demise. But even if the NICAP story doesn't pass muster, we do know that the government spied on UFO experiencers from the FBI's own files. There's no question that the FBI and other agencies kept tabs on Van Tassel and his group of flying saucer aficionados. But there's a difference between keeping tabs and spying. And we just don't have any evidence that the Bureau bugged Van Tassel's home or tapped his phone line. But we do know the FBI has a long history of engaging in immoral and unethical behavior in the name of national security. So to me, it seems more likely than not that the government covertly surveilled and manipulated UFO believers. 
On a scale of 1 to 10, I rate this theory a 6. I'm more hesitant to equate the government's interest to true surveillance until I see a covertly recorded phone call from a UFO experiencer or proof of an investigation of misconduct related to UFO surveillance. I'll give this theory a four. Most of the events we've explored so far happened more than 30 years ago, which offers the benefit of hindsight. Because in reality, the most recent files of UFO-related matters haven't been declassified yet. Which opens up one surprising possibility. There might be new manipulation happening right in front of us. Coming up, Tom DeLong's UFO Academy. And now back to the story. For those who are curious about the current landscape for UFO data, the past four years have brought a surge of new information. In December 2017, journalist Leslie Kane made headlines with a story about a secret Pentagon UFO research program called ATIP. Her source seemed unimpeachable, a high-ranking former intelligence officer named Luis Elizondo. As soon as the article came out, Elizondo joined a ufology enterprise called To The Stars Academy. The research company was created by former Blink-182 singer Tom DeLong. Not long after joining the ranks, Elizondo became a broad-chested, goateed champion of government disclosure. He appeared as a paranoid insider, overflowing with secrets and mystery. Unlike his days as a former spy, now Elizondo was picking up the banner of truth and transparency with a bold new research company at his back. The Academy dominated the national UFO conversation and made Elizondo famous through its media outreach. A blitz of interviews on TV shows, news reports, and podcasts only made his name more recognizable. But for his rising status, some people suspected Elizondo was putting on a charade. And worse, that he was part of something much more nefarious. Which leads us to conspiracy theory number three. The To The Stars Academy was part of a government attempt to control the narrative around UFO disclosures. It's possible that Elizondo was one of its chief architects. To find the truth, we have to dig into the past and into the minds behind the Academy. Some have alleged that these were the same people who created ATIP, the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program, which we discussed in Part 1. The project began in 2007 as the brainchild of Nevada Senator Harry Reid and tech billionaire Robert Bigelow. Yet, if we look closely enough, almost everything we know about ATIP has been challenged. In particular, there have been conflicting views over its history and Elizondo's affiliation with it. Two years after Leslie Kane's reporting came out about ATIP, another article was published, but this one flipped the story on its head. On June 1st, 2019, journalist Keith Clore published a critical review of the ATIP story. His findings cast doubt on everything the public thought they knew about Elizondo. Clore revealed that Elizondo may not have even worked for ATIP. According to Luis Elizondo, 
ATIP evolved out of an earlier program that focused on advanced weapon systems. However, a consultant on the project named Dr. Harold Putoff disagreed. He said that ATIP was just a nickname for the original advanced weapons program. This is a huge discrepancy, considering that the two worked together closely. And the confusion about what ATIP really was doesn't end there. In an op-ed for the New York Times, former Senator Harry Reid admitted that he secured $22 million in funding for ATIP in 2007. This was later contested by billionaire Robert Bigelow, who actually held the contract. According to him, the money had gone to the original advanced weapons program, the one Elizondo mentioned. Again, this strikes me as bizarre. Since all these people were collaborating, you'd think their stories would be pretty similar. And for $22 million, I'd expect the people who cashed that check to know what name was on the deposit slip. If we're zeroing in on Elizondo, he did engage in some unusual behavior, like working on ATIP part-time even after the funding ran out. That's something that most federal bureaucrats wouldn't do. There's also the fact that Elizondo is the link connecting ATIP to Tom DeLong. For being such a key figure in two organizations, a lot of his true identity is still a mystery. All of this confusion led many to think that Leslie Kane didn't do her due diligence back in 2017. When Kane was working on her piece, Elizondo showed her documents proving his credentials. He joined the Army in 1995, and four years later, he was recruited to be an intelligence officer. He had pictures of himself in uniform and performance reviews from the Department of Defense. But he didn't have a single document linking his name with ATIP. So before she ran the story, Kane reached out to the Pentagon for comment. And a spokesperson named Dana White confirmed that ATIP existed and that Elizondo ran the program. Which means Kane did her job. She tracked down the sources, verified all the information, and wrote a compelling article. Unfortunately, Dana White wasn't exactly the most trustworthy source. When Kane asked her about Elizondo and ATIP, White was dealing with an ongoing investigation into her own misconduct. The spokeswoman later resigned, and her successor, Christopher Sherwood, backtracked White's statement about Elizondo. He said that although ATIP existed, Elizondo had no connection to it whatsoever. If Elizondo never worked for ATIP, then we have to wonder why Mellon and Dr. Putoff insisted he did. Mellon was a career bureaucrat, and to many, his word was beyond reproach. And Putoff was definitely a contractor for ATIP. Either they were lying or the Pentagon was. Some thought this was a carefully orchestrated scheme, though, that the three men were trying to establish Elizondo as the nation's top UFO expert. And most surprisingly, at the center of it all was Tom DeLong. DeLong's To The Stars Academy published Elizondo's supposed credentials on their website and sent his bio out to various news outlets covering the UFO story. Then Elizondo starred in and co-produced the organization's History Channel documentary. In return, Elizondo and Mellon promoted the Academy every chance they got, and they did so alongside the Nevada journalist George Knapp, 
It's worth noting that the Academy is a for-profit company, and Knapp bought 400 shares in 2018. He also appeared in the documentary. Yeah, it's certainly suspicious for a journalist to have such a financial stake in the company. But more importantly, we know these interconnected people worked hand-in-hand to generate a media UFO blitz in 2017. They drove the UFO conversation into the mainstream and placed Tom DeLonge's academy at the center. This has raised a few eyebrows in the ufology community, because like Elizondo, DeLonge may not be what he seems. In an interview, DeLonge suggested that the academy was actually a front for some government agency. And in that same conversation, DeLong said that the idea for the Academy came after speaking with several high-ranking members of the military. According to DeLong, in one of those meetings, an unnamed official revealed that the government was keeping an alien cadaver on ice. DeLong says he pitched his mission as one to get more truth to the American people. Not all of it, but enough. The Academy could function as a sort of trade-off, On one hand, he could use its resources to mine for UFO data, which he'd then pass on to the military. And in return, he wanted permission to disclose certain things that the government deemed low risk. This would allow DeLong and the government to control the flow of information. Apparently, this government official thought it was a brilliant idea. It seemed like at least part of this agreement came to fruition in October 2019. That month, the Academy announced that it had formed a research and development agreement with the U.S. Army. The Academy was planning to use alien technology to help the Army create next-generation military weapons. To many, this seemed like groundbreaking research into exotic materials. Dr. Hal Putoff, the former ATIP consultant who became the Academy's chief scientist, even indicated that his team already possessed such materials. But according to Putoff, it would take a very long time to reverse engineer such recovered metals, which leaves us at a bit of a loss for what the purpose of this partnership was. Since it will take years for the Academy to accomplish such a lofty goal, It seems like the October 2019 press release was all a publicity stunt. That could be true. If we look at the specifics, the government contract was only worth $35,000. That's barely more than the median annual income in 2019 of the average American. And a single M1 tank produced by the Army costs over $8 million. So the idea that they could actually give the military a cutting-edge weapon for 35 grand is somewhat absurd. For all we know, more contracts could be in the works. At least this shows a tangible connection between the Academy and the U.S. military. If anything, DeLong did admit he was working for the government in that interview. DeLong hasn't disclosed who he met with, though. I'm not so sure we're getting the full story. And without that information, it's impossible to confirm if that meeting really happened. I'm also wary of taking his claims at face value, since there have been a few clear instances that show otherwise. That's true. He has claimed numerous times that his chief scientist, Dr. Hal Putoff, was, quote, Nobel-nominated. Yet a quick search of the Nobel Prize website shows that to be false. That seems like a pretty glaring detail to botch. 
The only thing that is strange, though, is why so many senior intelligence officers would join his company if DeLong wasn't a trustworthy partner. It's impossible to say, but money talks, and DeLong wasn't subtle about his offers of fame and fortune. Visitors to the Academy's website will see a big orange button encouraging them to invest money in the company. There's also a To The Stars Academy retail store, which sells branded merchandise and books written by DeLong, which will offer more revenue if the organization keeps growing. It's an interesting model for a business, but it does seem a bit distant from the government. If Washington is trying to control the UFO debate through the Academy, I don't know if that seems like the most focused approach. I agree. The government has expansive outlets to solicit information from, and it seems unlikely that they would pick someone like DeLong to spread the message. It does seem likely, though, that DeLong provided a new way for ex-bureaucrats to become celebrities, and they took him up on it. For me, this theory is a three. I think that's underselling Elizondo and Mellon. We don't know if they got into public service to get rich, and they both left the Academy in 2020, supposedly because they didn't like how focused DeLong was on PR. To me, that suggests their mission first and foremost was to share the truth with the world. While it's not proof that the government is using the Academy to control the public UFO narrative, it's odd that two critical members left, so I'd give this a four. Unfortunately, the muddled story of ATIP's past and Elizondo's history does leave a lot of unanswered questions. It certainly doesn't feel like we have the whole picture behind what Bigelow, Elizondo, DeLong, and Mellon have been up to. We can only hope that Elizondo's forthcoming memoir and Leslie Kane's movie might shed more light on this in the next few years. Regardless of what the future holds for the discussion of UFOs, no one can deny, America is talking about them. We're now engaged in a serious and open discussion about whether we're alone in the universe. It's been a conundrum for humanity since Galileo's time. What it really means to be suspended on a small blue rock in an infinite ocean of darkness. But if other civilizations can visit us, then perhaps the reverse is possible too. Maybe the light is much closer than we think. For all the unknown, There could be thousands of worlds out there teeming with life. Who knows what they might one day teach us. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. We'll be back next time with an all-new episode You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from ParCast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Xander Bernstein, with writing assistance by Amber Hurley and Mackenzie Moore. Fact-checking by Anya Bailey and research by Coleman Gray. Conspiracy Theories stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. 
I'm Sarah Turney, host of the new Spotify original from Parcast, Disappearances. Every Thursday, join me for an exploration into history's most gripping missing persons cases. Following timelines, analyzing clues, and piecing together as many answers as possible to find the truth. From prison breaks and child abductions to second chances and even murder. We'll journey through the many reasons people disappear. Follow my new podcast, Disappearances, free and only on Spotify.